Welcome to episode 59 of How About the Muskies. I'm Connor, as always, joined by Matt and Andrew. And as always, we got a couple of games to talk about, one that already happened, one that's coming up tomorrow. We'll start with the game on Wednesday against Providence. It was it was a basketball game, I, I think. I mean, I'll just let you guys tell, tell me how you feel about that game. I know we all watched it. We all know the outcome. We all know how it went. But, I mean, it was just an ugly overall performance by both teams. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Uh, it, w- it was pretty close to a basketball game if it wasn't. It was right there. All the fouls, four technicals, I'm pretty sure, going around. Players stepping up who you don't expect. Loads of players in foul trouble. It was a really interesting watch, you know, not just from a fan's perspective. I guarantee you neutrals were loving it, too. You know, maybe not how late it ended, but, you know, just the the passion in the game, the passion by the coaches, the passion by the players. Uh, You know, they really showed a lot out there about who they are. And, I mean, I love these games, UConn versus Providence to me it's probably our biggest rival in the Big East at this point so uh, I mean I love to see it you know especially coming away with the win I mean it was just a complete mess like yeah it was a fun game to watch but it was it was a mess I mean you with the fouls and the the terrible refing and Caravan getting hurt and Devin Carter getting hurt at the end or being gassed, whatever that was it was just an absolute mess of a game and that's what you're going to get with a Providence game I mean last year the Big East tournament game, that was a complete mess because we almost had the worst blown lead of all time, but also the game at their place. So every every Providence game is going to be a mess no matter what, but that was just – there was no feel to the game, and it felt like nobody really had control of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, 46 combined fouls between the two teams. They showed a graphic late in the second half. Those 46 fouls was the tied for the most in a Big East game. This year with the game that was before ours in the 630 slot, St. John's versus Xavier. So a lot, lot of whistles in the Big East on Wednesday night. But yeah, like you mentioned, it was it was very, very weird. I mean, one of the bright spots we could take away from the Huskies is Stefan Castle. He had a career high 20 points. He had, he had two threes both early in the second half. He did foul out, but who didn't? I mean, everyone was up there. A number I'm really interested in, I just noticed this looking at the box score before we hopped on. He didn't have a turnover. I feel like with Castle, kind of similar to Andre Jackson, he's prone for a silly mistake here and there at least once a game. But him having no turnovers in 31 minutes is massive. And he's not a guy we need to score 20 points like he did in that game. He's a guy we expect to be. It'd be nice for him to get to double digits, but his impact is a lot more than in the scoring department. He rebounds, he passes, defends, but... If he could score 20 and lead us to a win like he did the other night, that's huge. And you could definitely see him out there growing, you know, not just as a playmaker, but just as a player as a whole. He's much more uh, mature out there, definitely, than he was at the start of the season. There's definitely a learning curve now coming into college. It's a different game than it was five, ten years ago. Typical one and dones, you know, they aren't the same. He needed to fit into the system, which is what we were big on. Uh, starting off the year and he's fitting very nicely right into that system uh, like one two punch with uh, Newton is very nice you know you have the kind of fire in Newton who's going to come out there and just flame it from three-point range he'll score you 26 points and then you have Castle who will get you a quiet 15 but he'll have six rebounds he'll have seven assists and he'll make those winning plays you know ever since that game started the season he had six turnovers coming to now where, you know, you're having zero in a game like this, it just kind of shows the maturity that, that he has and, you know, all, all that he's learned at UConn so far. 
Yeah, we need a guy like him. We know what we're getting from Cam, even though he wasn't great against Providence. You know what you're getting from Newton and Caravan. You need a guy like Castle to be consistent. You need you need a consistent, I'll say 12 points. You need a consistent four or five assists. So you can get that. Basically, what Andre Jackson gave you last year, minus the points, obviously. Andre wasn't as much as a scorer. But if you get that, I feel like the recipe is there, the formula to win another national championship. But Andrew mentioned this briefly. I'll touch upon it now. Alex Caravan, he did – he suffered a little bit of an injury. He went down. He did, It was a very nice drive for the hoop, something he's improved on, but he landed awkwardly. It looked like his ankle. He rolled it. He he went out back to the locker room. He came back. He played 34 minutes. I don't think he sat in the second half, but it'll be inter- interesting to see today what the, come, comes out with his status. I feel like a sprained ankle, sprained foot, whatever, usually – when you do that, you can. It's all right in the moment. It gets worse over days as it starts to get stiff and harden up. But it'll be interesting to see if he goes tomorrow. It wouldn't shock me if he doesn't. But he's also a tough Hurley. Wouldn't just have one of his guys sit out if they didn't have to. But it wouldn't shock me if Alex Caravan doesn't play versus St. John's tomorrow, which we can afford. I feel like with the depth we have. But he was still huge in 34 minutes. He hit, scored 12 points, four rebounds. I mean. Having a solid four like him, a guy that was just named to the Carl Malone watch list for the top power forward in the country. He's in the top 10 there. He joins Tristan Newton, who was named to the point guard list. I believe Bob Cousy. I should know that off the top of my head. But yeah, Caravan, he got banged up, but he came back. He's a trooper. He's a guy who's not going to miss a minute. And he proved that the other night. I don't think you'll miss the game because he's a warrior. I mean, he got poked in the eye. I think, or he got like stitches on his eye and he still was was playing. So I don't think he'll miss the game, but it'll definitely be a precautionary thing. But we're, we, I'm not going to necessarily disagree with the depth thing, but I feel like we do need him for St. John's because he was a big part of that game last time, and especially, well, it's technically at their place, but we know, we know how the games in MSG are. Yeah, we'll get to St. John's in a little bit here. We'll, close up with Providence. We it's there's not much to say. It was ugly two and a half hours, foul fest, but Cam Spencer, I mentioned he didn't have his greatest game. He went three for twelve shooting and one for eight from three. Still got fifteen points because of the free throws. Tristan Newton, sixteen points. He only made three field goals and no threes. He made ten free throws. He also missed six, which I'm not too worried about that, but Tristan Newton can't be missing six free throws in a game. I mean against a team that's better than Providence, that'll cost you. Donovan Klingon, I mean, it was, I think he played. He played, what, four minutes in the first half, two fouls, and then immediately before less than two minutes into the second half, he picked up three and four. So he played 15 minutes, still at seven points. He, It was an interesting big man matchup all night, both on the court and off the court because of the fouls. But for Providence, Joshua Duro, who is a lot better than I thought he would be. I knew he was a solid player. He obviously averages 14 points per game, but – he was pretty much getting everything he wanted down there. He had 20 points, but he was in deep foul trouble as well. He only played 23 minutes, and Samson Johnson played a decent amount. He he had a silly technical foul. I know Matt mentioned there are some tees. He, what is Samson doing talking to Providence when they're trying to inbound the ball? I mean, you got to be smarter than that, especially when you're only in the game because Klingon has a couple of fouls. I'm not saying – he'd be in there probably regardless because he's in the rotation, but – you got to be smarter than that, especially when there's so many fouls going around. You can't pick up. It was his third, and he didn't get any more after that, but it's just very, very silly. Who else haven't we really touched upon here? Hassan Diara, he just gave us solid minutes, didn't score. We don't need him to score to win. 
Solo ball, only two minutes. I know I said he was my player to watch for this one because he did very good against Xavier. He scored 12 points and played almost 20 minutes. I was I didn't want him to go back to well, it's not I keep on saying him. It's not his choice, obviously, to not play. But I didn't want him to go back to playing three minutes and not producing. He essentially did that against Providence. Two minutes, didn't even take a shot. And Jalen Stewart played six minutes. He he had a, that dunk at the end, the fast break to pretty much seal the deal and clinch the win for the Huskies. So he's another guy. He's in there because we don't want either of the bigs in and Castle had fouled out. But you need guys like that to step up in that situation. And Stewart did exactly that. You guys have anything else on this Providence game before we really switch gears? I feel like I there's not much more to say. I mean, Andrew mentioned Devin Carter. He had a great game. He's one of the Big East Player of the Year front runners. He 20 points, nine rebounds, left it all on the floor. But you guys want to add something real quick? Yeah, just one more thing. I mean, if it wasn't already clear, which I don't know how it wouldn't be, uh, this is a rivalry, and this is the best rivalry in the Big East, and I'm just going to say that because the Providence team is far worse than us, and they still played us extremely well at our place. So if you don't think this is a rivalry, it is. It also just goes to show you the depth of the Big East. Um, it's it's nothing like out of conference play. You know, we don't have much trouble out there for some reason. But the second, you know, we come to the Big East, things obviously change. There's an obvious switch. And I, you know, just credit that to the Big East. To me, it's top two conference in basketball. So, you know, I just got to take every game serious, especially this one coming up we're about to talk about. Yeah, there's a bunch of – there's a lot of really good teams. I'd say there's nine teams that can beat anybody on any given night in the Big East. Obviously, DePaul is 0-10, and, and Georgetown's 1-8, and and their one win was against DePaul. But Georgetown can hang around with teams that DePaul can't. But, yeah, there's four teams tied for fifth through eighth, St. John, Xavier, Providence, Butler. They're all 5-5 five and five in the Big East. They're kind of all – they're all hanging around. They all could easily beat us. We could all easily beat them. Obviously, we won all our games against those teams. But one more thing about this Providence game. I just I was looking over the box score. I don't know how I missed him. Corey Floyd, our good friend, he had actually a solid game. Seven points, eight boards. He played 32 minutes, but I don't know. It's just weird to see him. It's a weird relationship with the Huskies because he like – you. we all know the story. I'm not even going to get into it, but – I guess good to see him playing well and good to see him lose with Providence, but. Yeah, I was just going to add, I mean, you could really kind of see him finding a role there, which I feel like is what he wanted entirely. This is the role he wanted. So, I mean, good for him. Like you said, you know, it's worked out. Yeah. There's no hard feelings, but it's certainly a weird situation, but move on to St. John's another team that has a former Husky, Naheem Aline. The Johnnies, they, like I mentioned, they played Xavier in that game before ours on Wednesday, another foul fest. They lost by 11 to the same Musketeers team we beat by 43. So that can't be, they can't be thinking good if you're St. John seeing what we just did on Wednesday against Xavier and what the UConn did against Xavier earlier in the week. And they got to be feeling we're going to lose by 45, but they're a solid team. We obviously played them pretty tight at the XL Center before Christmas. They have Joel Soriano, who's averaging 16 and 10. They have three other guys averaging double figures, Janis Jenkins, Jordan Dingle, and RJ Louis. I mean, this is not a team you can overlook, especially at the Garden. I know, Andrew, you mentioned that MSG, It's there's going to be a lot of Huskies fans there. It's going to be probably close to a 50-50 split, probably a little more St. John's. You got to give them the benefit of the doubt for a home game, but... 
this is a, a team that's probably going to end up making the NCAA tournament. I mean, they're currently five and five in the conference now, but there there's a lot of lot of time left halfway through the conference season. But a team that's probably going to make the tournament, a team you already beat, a team you already beat without Donovan Klingon, you add him to the mix, it'll be because we, we contained Soriano with Samson slash Caravan slash Singare. I'm really interested to see how we do with Klingon down there. But this is just going to be one of those fun, old-fashioned Big East battles. Hopefully not like an old-fashioned Big East battle against Providence where it takes two and a half hours and we take 30 free throws. But if we win, who cares, honestly? I was actually going to say that this just looks like a game that's going to be like that Providence game. Maybe not to that extent. I could definitely see Clean getting into some foul trouble, having a hard time with Soriano, trying to block all his shots, hitting his wrist every single time, having, you know, two quick fouls. But, you know, like like you said, we were able to contain him last time without Klingon. So hopefully it gives Klingon an incentive to sort of back off in a way, let the other guys handle it, try not to get in foul trouble so we can play more than 15 minutes. But overall... I mean, I'm pretty confident. I don't want to, you know, get ahead of myself, but you know, Garden is store south. That's that's what we're known for. So, you know, hopefully we come out there just playing our game. I'm gonna say what Donnie Marshall said about Donovan Klingon. He's the biggest man on the Eastern Seaboard. Like his fouls that he got in the Providence game, honestly, they weren't bad calls. I mean, you can't jump like he was doing if a duro goes up for a pump fake you can't jump because he's going to lean into you and it's going to be a foul especially with a guy like soriano who's going to obviously try to do that against Klingon. he's got to stay on his feet because if we lose him and foul i know we beat them with samson but it's going to be a different environment as much as you say that there's going to be a lot of uconn fans there they're still going to do with the whatever saint john stupid chant they do at their games and they're still going to do their everything's going to be St. John's like it's obviously our fans will be there. Our fans go everywhere, but it's still going to be all St. John's. Their fans are going to be loud. And we, we need clean for this game because I mean, Soriano obviously has improved his game since we saw him. It was what second big East game, but he's got to play more discipline. He can't jump. He can't leave his feet. That's, that's, that's what I got on him. He's just, he has to play more disciplined. The more that we talk about it, the status of Caravan comes more and more uh, important because if you lose Donovan to foul trouble and you're missing another 3-4 guy, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, Samson obviously isn't a bad player. He's just a little undersized. He's not going to he's not gonna be able to body Soriano. He's a skinny guy. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Clayton gets into foul trouble and Caravan goes out that we get some some Singare action. I mean, I, I don't really know where we're going to go. Um you need Caravan healthy, and you need clinging out of foul trouble. I, I guess those are the two keys to the game. Yeah, luckily, St. John's, they, they're pretty deep. They they have a lot of guys that play. They switch up their starting lineup like every game, so you can't really base who's going to start off of right now. But outside of Soriano, they don't have any true like big, big guys that play next to him. So if there's no Caravan, I feel like you can get away with playing a small lineup with Castle essentially at the four I feel like he's going to be guarding a guy that would be there for anyways if you look at a guy like Chris Ledlum or RJ Louis whoever would be the next tallest guy besides Soriano but I agree we certainly do need Alex Caravan to play in this game I'm sure usually Danny Hurley does media availability in the afternoon before a game so I'm sure that'll come out after you see this or before you see this or while you're seeing 
this episode. But yeah, certainly need a guy like Caravan for this game, especially for the toughness he's showing. And he did pretty solid, if I'm not mistaken, in that first game against the Red Storms. But yeah, overall, you just you need a guy like him to play, and it's going to be a loss with not a not a loss of the game. It's going to be a loss to the team without him. I got to clarify that real quick. You mentioned the small ball lineup. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's the lineup that went on the 11 to two run, which ultimately ended up beating Providence, kind of taking out uh, Klingon, shoving Diara in there. It was like Diara, um, Castle, Newton, they Caravan at the five. I, I don't know what was going on, but that lineup. Providence obviously wasn't ready for it. It was something they weren't looking for. And Diara was just a pest out there. So, I mean, if we need him out there playing that kind of role again, that kind of wildebeest role where he just takes over everything, I mean, I'm for it. He's a dog. So, you know, if we run small ball, it might not be the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. Like I said before, Diara could – I'm fine with him playing 16 minutes and not scoring a point because his impact is just incredible. I mean, he knows his role and he – plays it perfectly sure you can make a three every now and then which is certainly beneficial but he he doesn't force shots he's he's just the perfect championship piece if you're trying to go all the way and I, I want to say this before I forget Andrew mentioned Donnie Marshall he it's I don't know I, I don't like Donnie Marshall anymore announcing games after listening to him for three hours the one thing that stuck out to me he said what did he say it was about our offense he was like since Klingon came back, if you take out the 43-point win against Xavier, they're not scoring too much. I'm thinking you can't take that out. What, is the committee going to take that game out? No. I mean, he just says, obviously, he's a UConn guy. And he's not actually – I feel like other people hate him more than me. But it's just like he, you can get everyone – anyone who's announcing a game can get annoying if you listen to them for that long and a drag of a game. So I'll chalk it up to that. But it was just – he was saying some stuff I disagreed with. I actually wrote a couple of them down because it was so terrible. So he he goes, "This is the most important pre. Uh, this is the most important possession for for Providence when they're down by seven with four and a half minutes left. Yeah, that's gonna be the most important possession here, Donnie. And then what else did he say? He had mentioned that like it was a, it was a fantastically officiated game." Like, I get that he went to UConn. I get that he can't be biased, but it seems like he's not even trying. Like, he just, like, he, he's a magnet to whoever we play. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I, I noticed that too, where he was talking about, oh, they're, they're calling everything they need to call. And, I mean, you gave out, like, four technical fouls. You gave out 30 sun Like, it didn't make any sense. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, I believe our our game is on Fox. It's on Fox National tomorrow, so I doubt they'd throw him on that broadcast. You never know. I'm sure if I look deep enough, I could find who's announcing our game, but I'm not going to do that right now. We'll know tomorrow when whoever's announcing it is announcing it. But one last thing before we wrap up, do our players to watch. St. John's is a team that's currently in the middle of, like, their not rough stretch, but, like, their toughest portion of the schedule. They've lost four or five, but those four losses were at Creighton, at Seton Hall, at home versus Marquette, and at Xavier, their one win, they blew out Villanova, who's really, really, the rails are falling off for the Wildcats right now. They beat Villanova by 20, but I feel that I'm worried they're going to be coming out hungry. Obviously, they want to win every game, but you don't really want to drop five of six, and I feel like, I don't, I don't want to say it'll be like the Seton Hall game where they catch us off guard 
and they just start from the beginning and go. But I I just hope Danny Hurley learned from what happened in that Seton Hall game and that he doesn't make the same mistake, even though, oh, we're the number one team. We're expected to win this game. If you if you start slow and let them get, get the gas rolling, it, it might be over. I don't think Hurley has a mindset like that at all. I mean, you can kind of just – he's go mode from the second that ball is tipped. Um, The last thing he wants is complacency. And that's all I really like that from him. His first few years when um, you know, we weren't the juggernaut that we are right now, that whole Villanova press conference. He's not a guy to kind of sit back and you know take runs like that to start the game. Definitely not. His intensity is just unmatched. And I'm gonna kind of go with my player to watch with a guy who isn't as vocal as him, but has as much of a mentality as him, has the same mentality as him as Hassan Diara. Um, I would like you mentioned. I would love to see him out there for 15 plus minutes, um, just hounding the defense or hounding the offense, especially if Klingon gets in foul trouble. That'll be definitely be one to watch. You know, he might not score 15 points, but he can get two or three steals, and he can you know cause a bunch of missed shots. If he makes a three, makes two threes, that's a huge bonus. He's been hot, but um, you know they call Cam Spencer, you know Hurley too. But I see a lot of him in Hassan Diara, just not the vocal side. You know, I guess I can give my player to watch. I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on solo ball, especially if a guy like Caravan happens to be out. You're gonna need obviously they don't play the same position, but you're gonna need solo to give minutes off the bench, or potentially they could throw him back in the starting lineup thing. He's experienced in the starting five. We'll throw him out there, even if he doesn't play more than a Diara or a Stewart off the bench, just throw him in there because he's started before. I don't know. I I Again, it's not in his control. He's not playing, but I wanted to see more of him after he made four threes and looked really good against Xavier. So I'm hoping maybe this is another like big-ish game where you could see Hurley going seven guys, maybe an eighth, but I don't know. I just need more solo ball minutes in my life. That's that's where I'll leave it at that. This is going to be a bounce-back game for Cam Spencer. I mean – with the Kansas game, he was horrible and then had a really good game against UNC. I'm not going to say he was horrible against Providence, but he the threes weren't falling, so I think he's going to put up a 20 spot in this St. John's game, especially if Caravan's out. He's going to be the one shooting threes, so we're going to need him. But Spencer is definitely going to be the guy, and I think that Solo will get a minutes increase. But the falloff is weird. I know we have talked about this a lot, but I was actually just talking about it with my dad and brother the other day. It's just so weird. It's, it's obviously no secret that – that he was playing more because Castle was out, but he was still really contributing, and then he just went down to the bottom of the totem pole. I don't know; it's it's really weird. I'm just kind of gonna I'm gonna finish this with you know the Donnie Marshall mention of the points, and I feel like this is the idea. I feel like the idea is now that Klingon's back. You don't need to score at 85 points every night. I feel like you can kind of feel comfortable scoring 70, knowing that you can still win by 20 with how good your defense has been. Um, Klingon back, Castle, Spencer, Ball, Diara, all dogs out there. So, I mean, I'm going to make a little prediction here. I, I think that we will probably score like 65 points, and I think that we will win by 15 plus points. That's kind of what I'm going for. And I think that's what Hurley's going for. Matt's predictions usually are spot on. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, it's going to be a fun atmosphere at the garden. If you're going, I know I'm going, I don't, I don't think either of you guys can make the trip, but 
there's going to be a lot of Huskies fans there. It's going to be great. It's just good to be good again. I was just thinking about it as we're talking. If we win tomorrow, we're 20 and two to start the season. I mean, I have our like historic log here, AAC. This is like the end of the year win totals, 19, 16, 14, 16. I mean, we're about to be 20 and two if we win against St. John's. I mean, this is what, even though we're obvious, I'm not saying every program has the history that UConn has, but a lot of the younger fans like us, we really started getting into it during that era where they were 14 and 18. Just to see them win a national title. Now they're 19 and two. They're the best team in the country. I, f- I feel like we're better than Purdue. We match up well against them if we were to play there. They have flaws. They, they get a lot of fouls. That's a topic for another day. They took what 48 more free throws than their opponent the other night Purdue did, but I'm I'm just ecstatic to see the Huskies as good as they are. They haven't been this good when I've been following. Even when they won in 2014, they were never a top, top team. They were a seven seed. But, yeah, I'll leave it at that. It's just an amazing time, an amazing era to be a Huskies fan. And you got to, in the era, in the years, in the era of the transfer portal and everything, you got to really – you got to really respect the season they're having because Cam's going to be gone next year. Tristan's going to be gone next year. There's going to be a lot more question marks going into next year than there was from last year going into this year. So you just got to cherish the moment. And yeah, I'll leave it at that. Our next game after this, we play Butler at home on Tuesday. We're going to try to get stay in this flow, getting an episode out between our games. So look for one, maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday morning. We'll, we'll play it by year, but yeah, that's all I got. That's all they got. Thanks for watching.